love you, Lord. We worship you and honor you. From the depths of our hearts, we praise you, O living God. The one who is greatly to be praised and worthy of honor and glory and reverence. We humble our hearts and we express our love and devotion. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for how good you've been to us. We thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you that you shed your blood, that we could be forgiven, that we could be redeemed. We thank you, Lord, that you've never left us nor forsaken us, but you've walked with us and you've been our shepherd and you've been our shield. And we thank you, Lord, that even now we find comfort to know our times are in your hands and our steps are being ordered by your divine wisdom and grace. And, Lord, we just want to thank you, and we just want to express our love to you. And we just want to place our trust afresh in you with the assurance that our times are in your hands. And you're going to lead us, and you're going to work all things for the good. And in that, we give you praise, and in that, we find great strength. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah. If you stop doing it, then receive forgiveness. If you're still doing it, then stop doing it and receive forgiveness. Make sense? Right? There's no condemnation if you ain't doing it anymore. Either Jesus paid it all or he didn't. His blood is greater than even your sin. Isn't that wonderful to know? Amen. So don't let what happened 20 years ago continue to be an instrument of the enemy to beat you up and discourage you and to blame, point that finger of accusation at you. If you stopped it and got forgiveness for it, it's gone. It's gone. Amen? The Bible uses this description as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty far, isn't it? That's pretty far. That's how far he's thrown our transgressions from us. So again, the Lord just wants to remind you, because you know a lot of times the enemy does that. And people, especially those See, the enemy knows us. And you know, some people naturally, the way you were born and the way you were raised, naturally have a bad self-esteem. Some have too good of a self-esteem, and God's got to humble them because they're, they're haughty and they're proud. But others have always been kind of, even before they walked with God, they've always been kind of looked down on themselves. And the enemy will really play with that person. And he'll remind you of some mistake. He'll remind you of something you did. It, it might have been, you know, 15 years ago. 
And you might have wept tears and stopped doing it and really repented from it, but he'll remind you. It's amazing. That old devil, he's got such a memory. Amen? And I mean, but he'll try. But God reminds us, hey, if it's under the blood, then it's gone. It's forgotten. Be free from it. Be free from the accusation of it. If God doesn't remember it, neither do you. Go on in the victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, glory, what a special uh, blessing we have this morning as we uh, are going to have a baby dedication, children dedication of children this morning. And uh, what a great blessing it is to be a part of this. Amen. Our children, amen, they're our heritage from the Lord, our blessings from the Lord. And uh, we're excited to be a part of this special family this morning, Blake and Bailey. Uh, they're going to be bringing uh, their two of their children up to be uh, dedicated this morning. Well, I'll go ahead and invite you to come if you would. And Caden uh, uh, Emmett Rogers is going to be dedicated this morning. Amen. Amen. And then their newest addition to their family, Braden Noah Amen. Rogers, is going to be dedicated right. this morning. Yeah. So we right. thank God Woo. for them. Amen. 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 Just, just come Amen. right down front here down if you here. would. Amen. Yeah, Praise the Lord. Everybody, amen. Let everyone they want to see your pretty faces, not my ugly one. All right, praise God. You know, when Jesus was just a few weeks old, his parents brought him to the temple and they dedicated him to the Lord, and that's why we do what we do. And what you're doing today is a great act of faith, and God will honor it, and God will certainly honor it. He'll never forget it, so you don't have to forget this great act of your faith. Now, as you come to dedicate your children to the Lord. You're going to do at least three things this morning. Number one, you're going to acknowledge the Lord. You're publicly acknowledging that we believe God has given us these wonderful gifts. We believe every good and perfect gift has come from above. And we also are acknowledging, you know what? The Lord is our Lord. He's the God of our home. He's the God of our marriage. And we're going to raise our children to know that. And we're going to thank the Lord as the giver of life. Secondly, we're going to express some faith. When you come here today... You're expressing your faith and your trust in the Lord. And you're saying, he's saying, let me go. All right, I didn't even try to grab him yet. I didn't grab you yet. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Thanks, buddy. My man, there you go. Hallelujah. You're giving a public pledge and a promise today. You're saying before God and these witnesses that, Lord, we're going to do our best to raise our children, to know you and love you and serve you. We're going to do our best to teach them to honor the house of God and love the word of God and to serve Jesus all their days. You're making that public pledge. But along with that pledge, you're asking God. You're making a petition. And we're saying, Lord, help us. Because we know we need help and wisdom and grace to raise our children. And all the parents said, Amen. And so we're going to acknowledge the Lord today as your God and as the giver of life and these wonderful gifts. And we're going to make a public pledge before God and witnesses that we're going to do our best as parents to raise them to know the Lord and serve the Lord. And we're also going to ask God, Lord, help us because we need your help to raise them in this, in this age. So again, your children are a gift from God and the best thing you can ever do is give them back to God. You're giving them back to the one that created them, that designed them, that knows every possibility and potential within them, the one that loved them and died for them. And you're going to give them back to the Lord. Now, as you do your part, God reminds you, he will do his. As you do your part to teach him about Jesus, 
and at an early age have them to receive Jesus and love the Lord. God says, as you do your part, trust me, I'll do everything else. Amen? All right, so I'm going to give you this charge, and then we're going to pray a blessing. Blake and Bailey, do you promise to raise your children to know and serve the Lord, to honor his word and his house, to pray for them, and by example, show them what a Christian is. And when the time comes and they can receive Christ personally and know what they're doing, you'll do your part to lead them to know the Savior and live for him all of his days. Do you promise to do that? Amen. In church, do we promise to do our part to be a supporting congregation? So you're not in this alone. You got the Lord, you got the family of God, and Amen. All right. Now let's see here. You're Caden. Amen. I got a cheat sheet. That's why I know these things. Let's start with you. And we're going to dedicate you to the Lord, all right? Pastor Todd's going to help me and the church is going to pray. Come on, Pastor Todd. This is this is Caden. Father, in the name of Jesus, we dedicate young Caden Rogers all the days of his life, protect him and guide him and use him. Lord, according to the faith of his parents, we commit him to your care. Use this life mightily. Help him to grow, mature, and to love you and serve you all of his days. Protect him. Keep him from all harm. Keep him from all negative influence. And let his life be an inspiration to others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you a card. And now we got Braden, right? All right. Oh, you think he would? You think we can give it a shot? You think I can? we try? Come here, buddy. I love you. Oh, look how pretty you are, man. You're like one of my boys, man. I really do miss these days. She did most of the work, but I did get to enjoy them. This is a little Braden. All right, folks, lay your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, all the days of this precious life, be his shield and be his shade. Order his steps and anoint his hands. Father, protect him, guide him, and use this life mightily in his generation. Father God, I pray it again. Use this life mightily in his generation. Let him be a prophet of the Lord speaking forth your word and declaring your praises. Use them, Lord, yea, even to shake nations for the glory of God. Forever be his shield and his shade. Give him an anointed tongue to speak forth your praises and to declare your might. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Hello. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. Hey, we love you too. God bless us too. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father God, Mama and Daddy, bless them and anoint them and use them. Every decision, every endeavor, the blessing, the smile of heaven, all their days. Give them the desires of their heart, meet every need, be their shield and their shade, favor and grace in a mighty measure. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're going to get your own microphone someday. You will, buddy. You will. You will. You will. You're going to get your own microphone. And we'll listen to you preach. Oh, there's this. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that good? Amen. Let's praise the Lord one more time. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, children, you dismissed the children's church. Amen. Oh, what a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. Amen. Bye, buddy.
You know, it's like that one old man of God used to say, whenever I see children being dedicated or loving the Lord, it reminds me that God has not given up in this old cruel world. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, we're going to continue a message we began last week, two-parter. We're teaching through or preaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we said that years ago, 20, 25 years ago, the first time I really dug in and did an in-depth study of this book, I got to this portion, and these few words, it's like God glued me to them, and I couldn't move beyond them. And when God does that to you and you're preparing series and so forth, that's God's signal to stop, get out that shovel called study, and dig into this deeper and develop it for the people. So that's what happened, and that's where we're at. So 1 Thessalonians 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse 17, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 20. And the Bible says, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul did again and again, but Satan stopped us. That's our thought. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? See, the people are the reward. Amen? Indeed, you are our glory, and you are our joy. Those last words in verse 18, but Satan stopped us. But Satan stopped us. That's our title. This is part two. Last week's introduction was a bit longer. In more in depth, so I'll refer you to that message if you weren't with us. But I just want to highlight one glorious thought from last week's introduction. God allowed Satan to stop the Apostle Paul from returning to this very young church. A great persecution arose. He was forced to flee. God allowed Satan to keep the fathers in the faith from standing with these young believers in that most critical and desperate time. But we found out that he did this, number one, to display his glory. But number two, to teach you and I and his people a great lesson that God is the keeper and defender of his people. And that even when the trials come and things seem to get hard and the feelings are overwhelming at times, we might feel isolated. We might even feel abandoned and forced to stand alone. But the fact is, we're never alone as children of God. And that's a beautiful lesson that we find here. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And though this church, uh, this persecution came, and they were just weeks old in the Lord, yet their apostles couldn't stand with them, their pastors couldn't stay with them, but their Savior, He never left them, He never forsook them, and He brought them through, and He'll do the same to you. Don't ever feel like you're alone, but as a Christian, you're never alone. Sometimes life takes us through pathways and situations where others can't or won't stand with us, but even then, know that you know, there is a wonderful Savior, and His name is Jesus. Jesus. And he says, the work I began in you, I promise to complete that work. So lean on my everlasting arms. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and watch me bring you safely through every storm, every time somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Oh, what blessed assurance. Jesus never fails or forsakes his own. 
Now, we started last week with two thoughts. Number one, we came out with the thought there is a real devil. There is a real enemy. The Bible teaches that. He's active, he's angry, and he's aggressive. And his goal is to destroy the handiwork of God, destroy lives. His goal is to drive an eternal wedge between God and his creation. And Peter wrote these words to the church, 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, aggressive, active, looking for someone to devour. And as we said last time, he'll take what you give him. But though there is a real enemy, and he is about his evil business, if you know the Lord this morning, as a child of God, you do not have to fear him nor be defeated by him. As a Christian, he has no right or authority over you if you've truly received Jesus and you've given your life to Christ and you're serving Him, then you share in the victory that He purchased on Calvary. And you've been given authority from heaven to stand in that victory, to live out that victory in your life. You belong to Jesus. And as we said last week, you have been rescued and you've been redeemed and you've been reconciled and now you stand firm in that position as a son and daughter of the living God. And John said it like this, greater is that spirit that's within you than that evil spirit that's within that world. You've been given the goods to stand, having done all to stand. And then remember how James said it. This is a key to overcoming Christianity. James 4 and verse 7. James 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, church. Resist the devil and he will flee from who? From you. The Bible says we got to do some submitting. That means fall in rank. Make sure your life is in line with God's word and God's will. Submit yourselves therefore to God. We have to do some submitting and then we've got to do some resisting. We can't be complacent. We can't just be um, kind of spiritually slothful or lazy. The Bible says resist him with your prayer, with your faith with a holy life resist him but if you'll resist him in the strength of God he will flee from you friend God has given you the goods to stand and overcome and be more than a conqueror in this life give God a praise hallelujah the enemy wants you to think you're weak you're not able you're not worthy that just brings timidity and uncertainty. But in Christ, and there's the key, in Christ, in Christ. Somebody say, in Christ. In Christ. See, we look at ourselves, in me, in Joe, in, oh, we're a mess in ourselves. Rogue busted and disgusted. Oh, in Christ. There's more than a conqueror in Christ. In Christ, you are strong and you are worthy in Christ. You can be completely confident in Christ. You are able. How did Paul say it? He says, I can do all things through Christ. It's in Christ who gives me strength and gives me peace and gives me grace and gives me wisdom and all that I need. I don't find it by running to the philosophy of man. I don't find it by living like others live. I find it by going to the word of God and enjoying the resources and the riches of my salvation and walking out what Christ has put within. Last week we saw the objective of Satan's attempt To hinder or stop us. Number one, his objective is to attempt to keep people 
from salvation. Aren't you glad he couldn't keep you from the Savior? Aren't you glad that you came to Jesus? Amen. And that was the end of the story. Amen. As the old preacher said, devil should have killed me when he had me, but it's too late now. Amen. I belong to Jesus now and there's nothing going to change. No turning back. But Satan, the Bible says there's a real devil. But Satan, he tries to keep men from salvation. The Bible says he hardens hearts and he blinds the minds of unbelievers so they can't see or understand the gospel. He doesn't want men to know God loves them. He doesn't want men to know they need a Savior. They're not okay. That all have sinned and fall short of that glory. That all have sinned. But God sent His Son so that we don't have to be condemned by our sins. We can come to Him and receive forgiveness for our sins. He doesn't want men to know that God so loved the world, the lost world, the hardened world, the whacked out world. God so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross and shed His blood that whosoever will come to Him They can have forgiveness. They can have their sanity. They can have a right standing with God. They can be freed from the chains of a crazy living and the deceptions of a wayward world. Satan attempts to keep men from salvation. And he attempts to keep us, the church, from going and telling and announcing the good news. You know, we live in an age where in so many places the world's not shy of promoting their agenda. No, they're not shy and promoting their perversions and their confusions and their darkness. No, 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 no. And Satan, he tries, he works to deceive and to really darken the hearts of men so they won't believe or see they have a need of coming and turning to Jesus and being saved. We live in an age where hell pours out its lives, propagates its counterfeits, but even though things look harsh, Let us make no mistake. God is not willing that anyone should perish. In fact, way back, some people think that Old Testament has a lot of rough stuff. There's a lot of mercy in that Old Testament. Note takers, Ezekiel 33 and verse 11, how the prophet, thus saith the Lord, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I don't find that enjoyable at all. I don't want that to happen at all, but rather that they turn and be saved. It's the will of God that whoever you are, no matter how messed up you've been, God doesn't want you to suffer the consequences of unrepentant sin. God doesn't want you to live a life that is running away from Him. He wants you to turn and come to Him and receive the mercy and the grace that only He can give. God calls his people to do our part, to counter the enemy's advances, to counter the enemy's attacks. If hell's aggressive, we should be aggressive in the laboring for souls. If hell never sleeps when it comes to propagating its lies, we should never sleep in announcing the good news of a loving Savior and eternal life. He calls us to do our part, to pray and to witness and to support and send those that will go to all the world, to invite people to come and hear the gospel that will save their souls. He calls us and he reminds us to remain vigilant. 
and wholeheartedly committed no matter how unpopular it gets in this lost world. No matter how hard it gets in this lost world. But we should be faithful to continue to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men in all places, in all persuasions, in all generations. Satan attempts to keep men from salvation. Oh no, we're not just here to hang on until we get to glory. While we're here, we got a work to do. While we're here, we have a task to take on. Somebody put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Somebody get involved in missions, get involved in what God's doing. You know, there'll come a day just love the praise and the worship, man. They're going to come a day in heaven. We're going to have praise and worship like we have never had praise and worship. Amen. Woo, glory. Hey, you know what I mean? You'll never have someone behind you tone deaf when you're in heaven. Amen. Amen. No, no, no. Amen. I mean, I don't know if he's going to touch our vocal cords or our ears, but in heaven, everybody hits the right note. Won't that be wonderful? Glory be to God. Oh, there's going to be some praise in heaven. Woo. And you talk about teaching. There's no teaching like Jesus. Amen. Ain't nobody going to teach that word like he was the word. He is the word. Amen. Oh, I enjoy good teachers. But man, we get to heaven. He's going to disclose some of the mysteries. Oh, man, we'll sit at his feet. Woo. And talk about fellowship. We can eat and never put on a pound. Glory be to God. Oh, there's nothing like that, man. There ain't nothing like that. Isn't that right? Hey, yeah, fellowship. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. When we get the glory, isn't that right? Go ahead and make them pies, make them cakes. They're going to have to eat them all. Woo! Oh, but oh, Lord, there is one thing. There's one thing heaven won't have. There's one thing that we can only do here and now. That's to bring souls to the Savior. This is the only chance we have to get the gospel out to those that don't know him. All these other things are wonderful and beautiful, but we'll do them for eternity now is the only time that we can send missionaries and we can give to missions and that we can be missionaries in our communities and in our world. This is the only time for that. So as Christians, understand that devil, his biggest thing is to keep men from heaven. He wants them to spend eternity in hell with him. But we must do our part to let everyone know God loves them. God sent his son for them. That though they're lost, they don't have to stay lost. Jesus will welcome them and receive them. But we are the communicators. We are the ambassadors. We are the ones that must take that word and pray it through and give it through and do our part. So we recognize there is a real devil and he does not want lives to know the Savior. But secondly, this enemy of the soul, he attempts to destroy and devour men's lives in a personal way. We see his destruction all over. You know, Jesus called him a murderer, a thief, a liar. And we see in the Bible, we see in life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, how the enemy afflicts and attacks, torments, and harasses lives. We see sometimes even in our own families, so many that are hurting and confused, desperate, troubled in mind, broken, wounded in heart. I mean, the Bible shows us example after example as we saw how Jesus ministered to people, how hurting they were. And we live in a similar world. Addictions, abuse, abandonments, phobias, oppressions, men and women rejected and confused. Oh, 
But Jesus, let us never forget, Jesus came to rescue lives from such things. Jesus came to restore lives as sin is damaged and broken. In fact, a summary of Jesus' ministry was given by the Apostle Peter as he was preaching on the life of Christ. And he said in Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how Jesus, when he received the Spirit, it wasn't just so he could have a good time. Can you say amen? He didn't receive the Spirit just so he could, you know, kind of play games. But he received the Spirit and then he went out doing good, healing all that were oppressed or pressed down by the devil because God was with him. And I want to remind us that Jesus Christ is still doing today what he did yesterday and what he did then. Friend, Jesus is alive and his power is at work as we speak. Though the enemy of men's souls tries to divide men and destroy men and discourage men and deceive them, Jesus Christ today, he's still saving, he's still liberating, he's still lifting up lives that hell was trying to press down and crush. He's still mending and making lives whole that have been wounded. My friend, if you can hear what I'm saying right now today if you'll come to him he'll help you today if you'll give him your life in your heart he'll heal you today if you'll just turn from the rest and just surrender your life to Christ he'll embrace you he'll breathe his life upon you he'll wash you he'll cleanse you he'll make you brand new someone there is an answer to that pain that keeps you awake at night someone there is an answer to that thing that troubles your mind messes with your head his name is Jesus and he's able to set you free from the harassments of the evil one he's able to pour in his divine love and life and make you whole he'll give you joy again he'll give you peace again he'll take away that sorrow and he'll exchange it for a spirit of blessing and dancing and celebration God is a good God and he loves you and he desires to touch you come to Jesus and let him change you your life. Hallelujah. The object of the enemy to keep people from salvation, but God desires that all would come and be saved. He desires that you'll come and be saved. No matter how bad you've been, how crazy things you've done, if you'll come to Jesus, he'll receive you. He'll make you brand new. He came to afflict. The enemy comes to afflict and destroy and devour men's lives. He's behind the addictions that you see. He's behind the abuse and the perversion and the violence. Why do you think the Bible describes evil spirits so often as unclean spirits? When you see something perverse and unclean, you know who's behind it. And the enemy still tries to destroy lives, marriages, minds, psyches, through these instruments and through these attacks. But Jesus Christ is still alive. And he's still doing today what he did yesterday. Healing lives and delivering lives. Restoring lives. He does it through his people. He does it by his spirit through his church. But through our efforts and prayers and through our ministries, Jesus yearns to heal some broken hearts today. He yearns to break the yoke of oppression and discouragement today. He yearns to melt the chains of addiction today. Blessed be his name forever. The object, the objective of the enemy. He attempts to keep God's people from maturing and growing and obeying. And Paul said, so we're not like children tossed to and fro, 
So we're not a confused people. So we're, we're not a conflicted people, a carnal people, immature people. God calls us to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. The enemy tries to hinder men from advancing in God's will and doing God's work and finishing their assignment. Friend, don't stop till you finished your race. Listen, don't die till you finished your race. Don't die until you finished your race. Don't stop until you've done what God's called you to do. Don't retire from God. You can retire from the factory. You can do all that, but don't retire from serving God. Now, last week, the objective of our enemy. This week, let us look at some methods or strategies. Recognize them so we can resist them. Discern them so we can defeat them. All right. This morning we'll discuss three general themes or three general schemes. But recognize, besides these three general things that we can really just touch on this morning, the enemy also has some tailor-made stuff for individuals, specific attacks for specific lives and battles and seasons of life. So know yourself and know your enemy and walk in the victory. Amen? Again, let's learn so we can discern. Let's discern so we can defeat. If you would, Ephesians 6 and 16. Ephesians 6 and 16, I want to point out this scripture because the next part of this sermon, we're talking about the arrows of the enemy. And I want you to see where we're getting this thought. It comes from the word of God. And now Paul writes in the gospel armor, Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, and this is verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherewith you can't quench all, I like that, all the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, the fiery arrow. So notice here, attacks and temptations and um, demonic assaults are likened in the Bible to flaming arrows being shot by the enemy. So that's where we kind of get this thought here. I'm going to give you three arrows that are very common. We can't go in depth on all three, maybe one. But I want you to get these. And let God, because we need to, I recognize this is what the enemy tries to do. How does he try to do it? This is what the enemy is attempting to do. Um, keep men from salvation. Harass homes and lives and marriages and minds. Yeah, he, what's he trying to do? Keep the Christians from growing up and being spiritual. Instead, just be a little carnal, you know, conflict, dividing, splitting every other year. Whew. Glory. Isn't that right? Yeah. All right. But how does he do that? Well, number one, there's the arrow of doubt. The arrow of doubt. The arrow of doubt. Paul says, get up that shield of faith. There is a fire arrow of doubt. Now, we'll dig into this one a little deeper, but let me just touch on it. You know, the very first encounter in the Bible between man and his enemy, the arrow of doubt was there. It was in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. You know the story. How the enemy attempts to cause men and women to doubt the word of God. And when you start doubting the word of God, you'll start denying the word of God. And then you'll start disobeying the word of God. And one thing leads to another. But you know, when you no longer really believe the word, then faith erodes in your life. Because faith is only going to come through that word. Amen? So if he can get you to doubt the word, you'll have no faith. And without faith, I can't please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, I can't really know God, and I certainly can't walk victoriously in God. So, again, the arrow of the doubt, arrow of everything begins to crumble in my life. 
if I don't have a proper reverence and respect and confidence in the word of God. And so he'll try to get me to doubt that. But if he can get that, everything else, forget it. But secondly, the arrow of the deal. He says, let's make a deal. Mm. This arrow deceives us and takes us down the wrong path. This encourages biblical compromise, moral shortcuts. Don't sell out. And always beware of the fine print if you're going to cut a deal with that devil. Mm. Listen, you know, many a backslider, many a person that's far whacked out from God, you know what? At one time they sat where we're sitting and they sang like we're singing. You know that's true. You've been in this thing long enough. Some of us have been saved a long time. And you can remember people that used to be Sunday school teachers and they used to be Sunday school superintendents. And they left God. And they're far from God. Some are so far, they don't even know how far they are. But you know, they didn't start out far. They started out loving God. They started out walking with God. They started out faithful to God. Come on, say amen. Many a backslider began that journey to the hog pen trail, sitting where we sit, making just minor compromises. Choosing what and what not to believe in obeying that Bible. Making their own rules. Let's make a deal. Justifying. Rationalizing. Oh, it seemed innocent at first, but now look how far it's taken them. You know, I think it was Brother Wood, our late superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and he used the illustration of that Korean liner that got shot down years and years ago over Russia. And it says, actually, according to the, the computers, it was only just a little bit off, just a little bit off. But you know, if you're just a little bit off, the farther you go, the farther you get off. So the, Now the enemy's not that dumb. He's been doing this thing a long time, isn't that right? He's a great tempter because he's a great deceiver. And he's not going to throw something really crazy at you, but a little something small. And if I get you something small and long enough, it'll start to get a little bigger. If you can just compromise there, I can get... Oh. Arrow of the deal. The first time we really see this conflict between Jesus and Satan, we see the arrow of the deal, don't we? Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? And he's fighting the temptations. Well, that third temptation, Matthew 4, that third temptation. You remember how Satan took him to a very high mountain place? And he showed him all the kingdoms and all the glory. And what did he say? He said, listen, if you'll just bow down and worship me, you can have it all. What was he saying? Let's make a deal. He's saying, now listen, Jesus, let's make a deal. Jesus, you can have the blessing, the prize. You can have the pleasure without doing things the Father's way. I'll give you all this. You don't got to submit to the Father's plan and path. Jesus will make our own rules. You can avoid the cross. Wouldn't that be nice? You could avoid the weight, the uncomfortableness. You, you, you could avoid the pain, the rejection, the suffering. Take it easy, Jesus. You can have the blessings of God without God. Don't have to get married. We'll just jump into the pleasure. We don't have to wait. We can just cheat on the taxes and get that money now. No one will ever know. God don't really care. Let's make a deal. Oh, yeah. 
let's make a deal. Arrow of let's make a deal. Oh, my, my, my. Be careful, though. Be careful. Be careful. Because whenever you cut a deal with hell, you will lose more than you ever gained. You will lose more than you ever gained. Can you say amen? Can't go deep into that one. And someone said, praise God for that. Amen. The arrow of discouragement. The third one, the arrow of discouragement. The arrow of discouragement. Yeah. That's the one that's most common to all of us that we all face, that men and women in the Bible always face. And when this arrow gets through and discouragement seems to hit our hearts, it can cause men to lose their fight and to lose their hope. And give in to that fear, that despair. Kind of get weary in the battle. And some people just get tired. They just get weary. And they just, sometimes they just give up. Or sometimes they just settle into a subpar walk with God. When God's called them to greater heights and greater deeds. You know, Satan attempts to wear out the saints. Satan attempts to frustrate or exhaust the faithful. Hindering devotion. Hindering consistency. You know, Jesus one time saw a crowd in the Gospels, and his heart went out to them. He said, I'm afraid they might faint along the way. I'm afraid they might collapse along the way. And you know, that, that's a real threat in life, isn't it? Because life's not easy. Life has its pressures, and life can be draining. and Life has demands and disappointments. We can all say amen to that, can't we? And, and if we don't learn how to drink from that well, if we don't learn how to structure our lives, where we're getting our spiritual nutrition. It's so easy for life just to kind of wear us down. It might not knock us down and knock us out. It might just wear us down. Where we're no longer vibrant. We're no longer joyful. Where we're no longer excited about Jesus. And strong in our fight of faith. When that comes, dear one, don't give up. Rise up and believe God. Trust God. Look to Jesus. And here's the key for discouragement. Receive and take from the multiple resources. God has made available to his people abundant resources to keep us refreshed and keep us revived and keep us strong along this way. And in fact, if you'll let him and you'll learn how to tap into the goodness of God, you'll allow him to renew your strength You'll allow him to revive your vision. Somebody, you need your vision revived. You used to have a hope and a vision, and it used to drive you, and it used to excite you, and it used to awaken you, and you had something to reach for, and something to believe for, and something to give yourself for, but now somehow that that vision, and it just seems like there's a walking, and there's a groundhog day existence, but oh, when we get our strength renewed, we'll get our vision revived. And then he restores that fight. Instead of just laying down and avoiding the enemy, the enemy will be avoiding you. Amen. Because you'll put on that armor and your faith will be strong again. And the Bible says, the Bible says, Isaiah 40 and 31, but they that wait upon the Lord, but they, he just got done talking about even the young, even the strong get weary and get burned out. 
that in this life, everyone is susceptible to get frustrated and exhausted because it's not always easy. But the prophet says, they that have learned to wait on God, to hope in God, to draw near consistently and drink from the river of God, they shall renew their strength. What a glorious word. That word renew means they shall exchange their strength. God says, give me that old garment that is weary and hurting and let me throw on you a new strength and a new joy. Oh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings like as of eagles. They shall run, but they won't grow weary. They shall walk. They won't grow faith. What about them eagles? You know anything about eagles? I never knew a lot about eagles. I had this old Swedish, Finnish, Swedish elder. We were just youth pastors in Chicago 100 years ago. But he used to bring it up. And he said, you know, we're here in the city. You don't see any eagles in the city. But all those Swedes, and they all had camps up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. He said, well, we take off the summer, go to camp. They got eagles up there. And he said, now, see, all we got here in the city, these sparrows... Sparrows, pigeons and sparrows. Amen, sparrows. He said, now, I got to get a bird lesson, man. You get it all here, brother. I mean, you're going to get a bird lesson. You're going to get a bird lesson. You got it. He says, that sparrow, if he's going to fly, he got flat. I mean, he got exhausted himself. That little heartbeat is going a million miles. He's got to, that's what some Christians are. Always burning out, always wearing out. You haven't learned to soar like an eagle. No, you don't see that eagle flapping, do you? He learned to get above it all and just rest on the wings. Woo, oh, my Lord. There's a wind of the Spirit that you learn to rest in God. You don't have to be exhausting and burdensome and working it out. You rest in the grace and you rest in the promise and you rest in the faith. And he takes you above that thing. Everyone down here fighting that thing. You're going above that thing. Why? You learn how to wait on the Lord and you renew your strength. You've learned how to tap in to the resources of God. Oh, you don't got burnout, out, man. Burnout's out of that book, brother. That's a modern word by a backslidden church. There's no such thing as burnout for those that know how to wait upon the Lord and exchange and renew their strength and learn how to soar. Not like a sparrow that's got to kill himself, but an eagle that glides on the wings of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's why God said, hey, cast thy burden upon the Lord. He'll sustain thee. So it's a hard old way. Hard old way. The Bible says, for the transgressor it's hard. You must have been transgressing then. Amen? But for the believer, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And he shall sustain thee. Won't he? Woo. Woo, yeah. Oh, let's learn to rest in the Lord. Amen? Let's learn to trust in God with all our hearts. Cast that care. Cast that care. Cast that care. Why are you tossing and turning? Don't you think Jesus is greater than that thing? Don't you think the Lord's got it planned? Come on, grab a promise. Thank him for it. Work the word. It'll work if you work it. Come on, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. My clock working. Can I turn it back a few minutes? No, I'm only kidding. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know. Pick on my buddy. Jim says, is he pointing at me? No, I'm pointing. I know you're big. I'm pointing behind you. Angel. Angel has a habit. It's a good habit. Since he got serious with God, 
he comes to the altar almost every week, and it's not because he's got problems. It's because he likes to start the week out with the Lord. And he might not be thinking about what he's doing. He's renewing his strength every week. That's the word of renew means exchange. You're giving God your weariness, and you're receiving the refreshing of the Lord. Isn't that what we try to do when we do our devotions and we meet with God? Isn't that right? I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm going to renew exchange. I'm coming, Lord, I got this coming up. I got that coming up. We got this situation. This thing hit me, knocked my wind out last week. I didn't see it coming. Lord, I'm going to give this all to you. But I know you're great and I know you're mighty. Lord, just give me strength for a new week. Give me wisdom for a new week. Amen. I'm waiting on the Lord. That's how you soar. Amen. But you're getting away from your strength and gritting it out to trusting in the Lord, from believing in God. And the wind of God's spirit breathes upon such faith and humility. And God lifts you up above that thing. And God allows you to soar through things. It's amazing how you can soar through things that used to drag you down and just totally mess you up when you learn how to trust and lean on the Lord. Them everlasting arms are something else, are they not? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. That's all. That's all. You don't got to carry that burden. Give it to Jesus. You don't got to let that thing beat you up and toss it and turn and forget that toss it and turn it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings and all your ways. Acknowledge Him. Call on Him. Recognize Him. He will direct your paths. He will meet your needs. He will fight the battle. The battle is still the Lord's battle. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, yeah. That's why it's so important that we take advantage or make it our habit of enjoying what's been made available to us. God has not just saved us and left us alone to walk this thing out, but he's made available to his children abundant resources to revive us and renew us, to give us wisdom, to encourage our faith, to give us strength, to keep us strong, to encourage our hearts, to enlighten our thinking with his wisdom through prayer and through praise. We keep ourselves strong through coming to that throne of grace. Amen? Again and again. So, Lord, I, I just need I'm here again because I need you again. I need you, Lord. Give me fresh grace. Give me fresh strength, Lord. And go into that Bible. Go into that word and let it encourage your heart and let it give you wisdom so you're not just deceived by this world. Learn just how to praise him. You know, he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? Oh, you can just praise him. He'll get near you. And when he gets near you, you get blessed by that. Amen? You know, I've told this story before. If it makes sense, we're just going to... That's all right. You got nowhere to go. Amen. You know, you know, back home, we had the bowling alley back home, right? Back home, you had bowling alley. Not a lot to do in some of the small towns, but bowling alley. And attached to the bowling alley, they had a bar. All right? And this is back in those days where, you know, they smoked everywhere. Forget it. it was, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. And though you might have come from a house that never smoked, you might never, you know, you go in there just to play some bowl, bowling, right? That thing overflows. You don't notice it at first, but when you walk out to go back to your car and it's the middle of the winter, you know, snow banks in here, you can't help when you get into the atmosphere of the presence of something for it to cling on you. Well, in the same way it works with smoke in the natural, it works with the presence of God in the spiritual. 
And one of the easiest ways to get the presence of God to draw, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. He inhabits the praises. Sometimes it just does us good. And one of the chief ways we refresh our soul and renew our strength is by simply putting aside the need and putting aside the problem and just saying, Lord, I won't do anything else for these next few minutes but love you and praise you and honor you and worship you and thank you. Oh, man, I'm saying, and when we do that, what's that old song? Let's forget about ourselves and concentrate on him and worship him. And when we do that, the Bible says he draws near in the presence of God. You know, Moses got so full of the presence of God one time, he come down, his face was aglow. Wow. And so sometimes, yeah, we pray, but sometimes we just need to learn to praise. That's one way we really renew our strength. Amen. And we go to our Bibles and we get encouraged with that word and we get near the family of God. Get near godly believers. Oh, one of the chief ways that we are to renew our strength, one of the chief resources God has given the believer to stay strong in this march of faith is your brother and your sisters all around you. Make some good Christian friends. Have some good godly friends. Encourage one another in the Lord. Amen. Have brothers and sisters you can laugh with in the Lord. Isn't that right? You can talk to it. You don't got to have your guard up. They're not going to tell some vile thing or try to do some ungodly thing. But you can be with the brethren. And you can encourage one another and pray. Oh, man. And then please don't ever, don't ever forget one of the greatest resources we have to stay strong is what we're doing this morning. It's the gathering. It's the gathering. It's the gathering. There is something called a corporate anointing. It's something that we all have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. But when we get together, there creates a corporate anointing. Then everyone's bringing their faith and everyone's bringing their song and everyone's bringing their gift and everyone's bringing... Oh, it's a great multiplication and increase when we get to... Come on, say amen. amen. How many testimonies I've heard. It was wonderful, Pastor, watching it when we had to watch it. But there's nothing like being there. Because everyone's presence and faith and anointing and gifting. You're not going to get blessed by those gifts when you, oh, you got to be. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Arrow of discouragement doesn't have to defeat you because God has given us ample resources, made them available that we can stay strong that we can be mighty in the earth, that we can run and not grow weary. When we need to rise up, we can rise. Whoo, glory. Not stressing it out on ourselves. It's no longer I that liveth, but... And I got news, he don't get tired. Whoo! All right, all right. How do you like that? I suppose, oh, Lord, have mercy. Well... You have four more pages left, but I'll spare you. I was supposed to go deeper in that one, another arrow, but isn't God good to us? There is an enemy, but we don't have to be defeated by him. Amen? We're supposed to be vigilant and alert. We're supposed to do our part. But if we'll do that, God says you can have the victory. We submit, we get in line with God, right? That's what submit means, fall in rank, fall in line, right? We're, we're living, right? 
Not perfect, but you know what I mean. We're doing our, right? And then we resist. We pray. We stand on the God's word. Isn't that right? We do our part, and he will flee. So we do our part. We re- there is an enemy. He doesn't have to defeat us. Let's practice. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. Let's do our part to make sure we're giving him no place in our lives, and our marriages, and our homes. How about that? Amen? But he'll take what you give him. He'll take what you give him. All right? He'll take what you give him. And we're going to do that. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we come and we sing our final song, prayer, final prayer. If there's anyone here, there's areas that you know you've been given in place and there needs to be a change. Don't leave before you make that change. Don't leave before you say, Lord, you've been talking to me about this and I've been cutting a deal about this and I need to stop it before it goes too far. I'm going to close the door on that thing. I'm going to change. I'm going to get in line with your word in that area. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Do that, do that, do that. And for others, as we sing the final song, we open the altar. If you need prayer, if you need a touch healing in your body, or maybe there's some people here today and just feeling weary from the race, feeling a little exhausted from this fight of faith. Life keeps throwing every time you think you get a sigh of relief, something else hits you. And maybe you just need to draw near and let God fill you afresh. A fresh filling for a fresh day, a new anointing for a new battle. Can you say amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand with me. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's believe God together. Our God's so good. He's a good God, folks. He's a good God. He loves you. And though there is an enemy, greater is he that's within you than he that's in that world. And again, once we say amen, if you need prayer, come and let Pastor Todd, let someone pray for you and believe God with you. If you need a fresh filling, lift your hands and God will fill you fresh. Father, We want to thank you for the warnings of the scripture. You give us those warnings, but you don't want us to be deceived by the enemy. We thank you, Lord, for the education you give us in your word so we can live godly lives, lives that please and honor you. Father, help each one of us to apply the scripture and its principles into our lives. Help us to apply the ones we studied this morning, Father, into our lives. And now, Father, if there's an area that any one of us need to address, Holy Spirit, we know you're a gentleman. Holy Spirit, we know you love us. So we pray, Holy Spirit, if there's an area that needs to be addressed to my heart, reveal it to me so I could respond to it properly. I don't want to give the enemy a place. I don't want to cut a deal. I want to walk according to your word. I want to live in a way that pleases you, knowing that you're a good God and your way is the best way. And Father, I pray if if there's weariness in the lives of your people, we recognize life has its pressures and battles. Father, I pray if there's weariness in the lives of your people. Father, let showers of refreshing from your presence fall upon us as we draw near right now and seek you and call on you. Oh, Father, touch 
your dear ones speak to each one that has an ear to hear in Jesus name and all God's people said let's sing this song one time through before we go if you need prayer come if you need a fresh filling come 